Good morning, all those in the Zendo and all those on our live stream, YouTube, and all those on Zoom. I take refuge in the Buddhas, the great teachers, awakened beings. I take refuge in the Dharma, the teachings, and I take refuge in this Sangha. It's vast. Sangha beyond time and space. <clears throat> we are finishing a session and I'm going to share an exchange from Master Guishan. Guishan was asked, does someone who has attained enlightenment still need to continue with self-cultivation? With Zazen practice, you could say. Guishan said, through meditation, students can attain thought that is no thought, suddenly awaken and realize their original nature. But there are still delusions that have accumulated over numberless ages and can't be purified in a single moment. And so students must continue Zazen, eliminating karmic tendencies and mental habits. There is no other way of cultivation. Our session was entitled, Cultivating the Empty Field. <clears throat> and um, Chosen shared this quote from Joko Beck with me uh, in the middle of session. The only thing harder than doing session is not doing session. And I think for those of us who've been practicing for a long time, we can really appreciate the truth of that. And the truth of what Guishan said, that we can have glimpses of freedom, um, but if we're not continuously practicing, our delusions take over, basically. Um, and so when we're not putting ourselves into the container of practice, the container of zazen, the posture of zazen, these little habits start to accumulate and they don't have an opportunity to be seen through and released like we can uh, in Zazen when we just take the posture of stepping back, the backward step, and looking directly into thought and letting them release on their own. Chosen also shared with me another quote by Joko. Joko has really good one-liners. Um, Someone asked her if she was fully enlightened or if she knew anyone who was fully enlightened. And she said, no, but 50% makes a big difference. And I, I also find this encouraging that in our practice, we can set the bar towards full awakening and know that even 20%, even 10% of change in the heart-mind stream, of release of negativity, of seeing more clearly, of living from the heart of compassion, makes a huge difference in our lives and in the lives of everyone who we encounter. It was step-by-step -step awakening. During this practice, we were practicing, or during this retreat, we were practicing and embodying the teachings of Hongzhi, which 
is where the title Cultivating the Empty Field comes from. That's a collection of his practice instructions, which are quite rich and quite celebrated in the Soto Zen uh, school, Soto Zen tradition, the practice of serene illumination, also sometimes translated as silent illumination. What we were emphasizing during Sashin was a deep trust in the fundamental ground, the fundamental field. A deep trust that everything that arises in our field of awareness can be experienced, can be embraced, can be felt, can be welcomed. So we were starting every Zazen period emphasizing rooted, grounded connection to the present moment and then the attitude of welcome really emphasizing that attitude of just complete allowing welcome and through that touching into the quality of experience that is wakeful Dogen was using wakefulness Sometimes we say awareness. And it's through this practice of stable, wakeful, welcoming attention that we can experience, feel, embrace. And that all experience transforms, is liberated, opens through our attention. Habits of mind, negative thoughts, judgments, ideas of stuckness, resistance, when given space to be in the field of wakefulness, we see that nothing is actually fixed. Nothing is actually solid. All experience is in constant motion. We are in constant evolution, cannot be pinned down. Wakefulness, openness is our ground the ground of reality. For this talk, I want to uh, explore a koan together. This is <clears throat> just thinking of how rich our Zen tradition is and how rich the Buddhist tradition is. And all of these teaching stories um, evolved to help to help give students uh, the vast view of the Buddha Dharma. So each koan is like another angle on this jewel of the nature of mind and is an is a entrance gate into our own direct experience and into uh, seeing with the eyes of the ancestors. I, I feel very nourished by uh, the koan tradition. They, for me, point to the nature of mind and the nature of possibility and sometimes highlight a view that I hadn't considered. So let's um, enter this koan together and explore its truths. This is from the Book of Serenity, Case 4. The world honored one points to the ground. This is also, the Book of Serenity was compiled by Hungzhir, which is why I was inspired to look into that koan collection. As soon as a single mote of dust arises, the whole earth is contained therein. With a single horse and a single lance, the lands 
extended? Who is the person who can master in any place and meet the source in anything? Who is the person who can be a master in any place and meet the source in anything? That's the introduction. And here's the koan. As the world honored one was walking with the sangha, he pointed to the ground and with his fingers said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. Indra, the emperor of the gods, took a blade of grass, stuck it in the ground and said, the sanctuary is built. The world honored one smiled. Exploring a koan can be like stepping into a dream or a poem. Every word, every line is significant, even the title. The world honored one points to the ground. What ground is the world honored one pointing to? The mind ground, the ground of being, the ground of your mind as free. Pointing to the inherent freedom is a tactic in the Zen school. Jogan during this retreat kept pointing to the quality of wakefulness. Wakefulness is not swayed by anxiety. Wakefulness is not confused. Wakefulness is aware of thoughts, so is not identified with them. The ground of mind not swayed by the activity of mind. Do you know this stability? The ground of your mind. The ground of being. It isn't a thing. It's actually a groundless ground in constant flux. Chosen One said to me, as practitioners, we learn to build our house on a groundless ground. We find stability in impermanence simply through our constant, consistent attention to impermanence. The inconclusive nature of experience can become our ground. And the world honored one points to the ground. The ground where you are sitting right now where your body is making contact, where your feet stand, this place of connection that we have to the earth. Can you feel your feet? Can you feel the ground beneath you? The support of the earth that this very place where you sit is your life. The Buddha points to the only place we are truly alive. Whenever you are feeling lost or confused, that pointing is saying, come back, feel the ground beneath you. It's a poem by da David Wagner, Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger, 
must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes, listen. It answers, I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. No tree, two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. So then we enter the koan. And we enter the koan, we're traveling with the Buddha as a member of their sangha. The Buddha is walking, walking with the sangha. And it sounds like in this assembly, if Indra's there, probably a lot of the other heavy hitters, bodhisattvas are there, like the bodhisattva of great wisdom, Manjushri, great compassion, Avalokiteshvara, all the awakened beings are virtuous ones. This is your Sangha. These are your Sangha mates. Can you see these awakened qualities in them? In the Mahayana Sutras, I used to find this annoying because I wanted to get down to the point, but in the Mahayana Sutras, a lot of time is spent on giving rise to the assembly, describing who's there, naming all of the Buddhas and their spiritual powers and attainments, describing in detail the scene of the teaching, often magnificent. And this is an invitation into seeing awakened nature, seeing awakened nature in your Sangha, in yourself, summoning these beings letting and allowing the beneficent forces of wisdom and compassion in, calling them into any time you practice, letting them influence your mind stream. It's like the most important part. I overlooked it. Always when you are practicing, you can rely on this field of support of Sangha. You are never sitting alone. Sangha is global. We're discovering that more and more now. So we're sitting with people all over the country, all over the world. But even without Zoom, we're never sitting alone. And in this, we are connected to both the suffering in the world and the virtue. Our practice and our mind has influence. When we practice love and acceptance, it ripples out. When we vent anger, it ripples out. When we hold the view of interconnection, we realize that we are not doing this practice for our own liberation. We are freeing the world from our delusion, greed, and fear, and that is significant. So the Buddha is walking with this assembly of students, and we are there. We are walking with the Buddha. Be there. Put yourself in the presence of awakening. 
Put yourself in the presence of the Buddha. Don't be shy. Let your awakened nature be seen by the assembly, by the Buddha. Let your awakened nature be affirmed. The Buddha points to the ground with her finger and she says, this spot, this spot right here is good to build a sanctuary. What did the Buddha see? What was their vision? The Buddha see the sacredness of life, the sanctity of the earth. Are you right now seated on sacred ground? And what makes something sacred? For those of you who are practicing at home, especially those of you doing sashin at home, do you see the temple, the sanctuary in your home? Is your home, your room, your yard, your bathroom sacred? How does our attention allow our view of something to change? This is something we can study and practice, affirm and practice. How does our attention to something shift our view? We have habits of perception. I have habits of perception that keep me bound to a limited view of reality and of myself. And I enact them quite a lot. Koans and Zazen invite us to try on another view. A view of liberation, a view of compassion. So here now we're invited to try on the view of sitting on sacred ground to empower your living space to be sacred. Sanctuary also means refuge or a place of security, stability, safety. Can you be this for yourself, a sanctuary? Meditation practice allows us to field our own emotions. Be a sanctuary for the parts of us that are afraid, disappointed, scared, feel unworthy. How are you already a sanctuary, a safe space for others? We've been doing this practice of mountain sitting mountain walking, mountains embody sanctuary. Dogen Zenji says in the Mountains and Water Sutra, mountains are always securely rooted. When walking, when sitting in the midst of daily activity, changing emotions, there's the sanctuary of mountain, securely rooted, 
and is always available the more we cultivate it, the more we practice it, the more it becomes refuge. Dogen Zenji also says, all the great teachers have mountains as their inner chamber, as their body and mind. Someone said this week, mountains don't have thoughts. Someone else said, a mountain's heart is always open. Another person said, mountain is my unborn nature. It reminds me that I'm free. So pretty big insights from mountain practice. Sanctuary is a space that empowers us to be authentically who we are, to allow. Mountains are never overwhelmed by the changing seasons, weather, fire, snow, human beings. Wakefulness is never overwhelmed by the fluctuations of mood, activity, emotion. Then Indra, back to the koan, Indra took a blade of grass and stuck it in the ground and said, sanctuary is built. Resourcefulness. Dan Brown says this is the most important quality to develop in practice. Resourcefulness. Kaz Tanahashi calls it the practice of possibility. When we release things from our fixed views about how they should be, we are released into the possible. It's been such an important teaching for me lately. I keep emphasizing it, I keep coming back to it. The practice of possibility as a queen and Alice in Wonderland instructs, I believe six impossible things before breakfast. And when Master Ma was asked, what is the most crucial thing about this practice? He said, it's just the place where you let go of your body, let go of your life. And from a certain perspective, that can sound kind of intense. And maybe it is. And from another perspective, it's just the letting go, which isn't always easy, right? But the letting go of our ideas about this body and about this life. If I let go of the concepts of what my body and life should be, or the concepts of concepts of what my body and life are right now, they're just concepts. And if I actually enter or give myself permission to enter the flow of experience, which is, inc includes thought but isn't limited by thought, then my mind can open like Ansan's mind opened one morning upon hearing the bird song. And her awakening story is like, just like what you shared in Closing Circles, Oshin. She heard the distant 
sound of a rooster crowing and a bird song for the first time and said, fields, mountains, flowers, and my body too are the bird's voice. What's left that can be called a hearer? Fields, mountains, flowers, and my body too are the bird's voice. When I'm not limited by the idea that my body is just whatever concept I have about it, actually, like, uncomfortable, painful. Ugly. Then my body is open. It's not bound by a skin bag. My body is the body of the earth, the body of experience. Can you let your mind be opened by the bird song? I can get stuck in such a struggle with my ideas about my life and my thoughts about my life get overwhelmed with the amount of emails in my inbox. I have this voice that says, this is not the life I want to live. I don't want to be bound by emails. and It's too confined. It's too disciplined. It's too strict. There's too much office work. I stop seeing my real life. I only see my dead concepts, my reactivity and doubt. I'm strangled in the prison of my mind, strangled by thoughts that I can't even find when I look for them. So when I really look, when I really look at my life, it's not bound. I'm so free. I'm a magician. I'm a sorcerer. I'm creating and being created. That's my bird song. Being spontaneously composed for all of us. There is so much play in reality. So much kindness. And the koan ends with the world honored one smiled. You, your smile is a blessing. It's a reminder that kindness and joy are your heart's natural expression. The titles of Hongzhi's practice instructions in cultivating the empty field make really great stand on their own practice slogans. So I want to leave you with three. 
And for me, these three are practices of the flexibility of mind and the resourcefulness of heart. And as all of the great teachers have emphasized for generations upon generations, zazen is so important. It is the bedrock of our practice. And so how, however you can integrate that into your life, even a few minutes a day, to just let be, to disengage from the story, to stop living in the reactivity of the mind and let, like a number of people described during the session, letting the mind unravel itself. That is Zazen. The mind and our fixed beliefs and the ways that we've tangled ourselves up in an invisible ball of string just unravels in our attention, in our refuge, in our welcome. So sitting practice is so crucial. And we can't sit all the time. That's not what we're meant to do. So there's also importance in cultivating view, in familiarizing ourselves with the open field in all of our activities and all of our relationships. And that's where I find practice slogans can be helpful because I can bring them into any situation and just like drop them into the mind field and let them work. little magic spells. So here's one, first one, beam through all gloom. And that can be enacted with a simple smile. When you notice negativity starting to creep in. And when we begin to see the emptiness of thought and emotion in Zazen, then we're not allowed to forget that insight and like pretend that our emotions and thoughts are real. I mean, of course we're allowed, we're gonna do it, but like we can, we have the power to liberate ourselves. And sometimes I think we practice stuckness for no good reason. Because we don't want to beam through all gloom. And what does that even mean? What does that even mean? To not identify with negative storyline. As someone said this, Sashin, to let, to let negativity just slide. The second one is graciously share yourself. Beam through all gloom, graciously share yourself and treat all beings as your ancestors. 